people searching for sense in their work and they searching for kind of, I don't know, I don't want to use the word family, but uh, sometimes you use it in this case. <laughs> so the main point is that they want to discuss about topics and not be the one who gets an order and fulfill the order and then without thinking about why I should do that. You are listening to the Future Proof Operations Podcast. The manufacturing sector is evolving and the work that happens on the front line is the key to driving future readiness. On each episode, we bring you conversations with global leaders in industrial companies. Our goal is to discuss trends, stories and people in digital manufacturing and offer the latest insight into solutions. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more resources at operationsone.com. I'm your podcast host, Benjamin Brockman. This episode is brought to you by Operations One. Operations One is the leading platform to bring operations to a new level of excellence. By supporting frontline operations from planning to execution to analytics, companies benefit from an empowered workforce, increased operational excellence, and future-proof operations. Visit operationsone.com for more information. Hi, Philip. Welcome to the Future Proof Operations Podcast. Hi, Benjamin. Thank you for the invitation. Philip, great to have you on the show. Could you give us a short introduction of who you are and what you are doing? Yeah, sure. My name is Philip Menz. I am 35 years old. At the moment, I'm a plant manager in a Sinter plant in Thale, which um, belongs to the Schunk Group, which is a technology company which makes different topics. Before that, I were head of quality management in our plant in Heuchelheim. And yeah, in my free time, I'm with my family, do a lot of sports and motorcycle and so on. Okay. Help us to understand a little bit better what you are actually producing and how your factory is looking like. Let's imagine I'm a guest and I'm visiting you at your factory and you take me on a walk through your factory. How is it looking like there? So what are you producing? How is your automation level? Do I see a lot of workers there? How is it looking like? Yeah. So mainly we are producing sinter parts and metal injection molding parts. It is a plant which has around 25,000 square meters of production area. And we have 430 employees at the plant. Yeah, what it is look like, you come into the plant, you have the metal injection molding area where we produce mainly for automotive industry and aerospace industry. Metal injection molding is like plastic injection molding, but you do it with metal. The main difference is that you have a metal powder, which afterwards is getting debinded and sintered, which you do not need at mm -hmm. a plastic injection molding. There we have a big area of injection molding machines, and you must think 19, 19 machines at the moment. We have a lot of four belt furnaces and we have one batch furnace. So it's three different areas. And then we have a mixing area where we mix our powder by ourselves. That's the metal injection molding area. And another area that where we produce parts is the sinter metals area. There we are compacting powder, metal powder by mainly hydraulic presses where in between 200 and 800 tons of pressing force. Afterwards, the parts getting sintered in belt furnaces around 1,120 degrees, something like that. 
And afterwards, they are uh, getting calibrated because when you go through the furnace, you have yeah, deviations by the heating of the part. And then you calibrate it also by presses. And then we also have a big area of machining where we do turning, milling, grinding, and so on. Okay, so I understood already a lot about the process itself. So I'm yeah. a little bit of process pro now. Yeah. Today, we want to talk about leadership and leadership styles and how they have been changing in the past probably if they still need to change. Yeah. When you take that into the perspective of your factory, how many people do work within your factory? I understood already that there are a lot of machines which are conducting some processes. How many teams, how many people do we have in your factory? We are 430 employees. So there is a lot of room for talking about leadership. Yeah, there is a lot of room for that, for sure. Okay, great. So let's dive into it. When we talk about leadership, why do you think it's important to talk about it? What are the challenges in leadership explicitly in the manufacturing space from your perspective? I think there are a lot of challenges in general. One of the main challenges is that people today do want to have other surroundings, other preferences in their work, in their daily work. So everybody talks about Generation Y, Generation Z, and baby boomers and all those things. And yeah, you also recognize that when you work together with the people at the shop floor or also in, in our white color area. You need to build up strong team in my point of view, and you need to build up a strong bonding to the company to hold the people and to bring them to their maximum output, I would say. Because today it's not enough to go on the shop floor, bark around, and then go back into the office. <laughs> you need to build up a strong connection to the company. Especially in Germany, we have this big loss of professionals, I would say. We need more professionals in Germany. And if they want to change, they can change at the moment. So we need to be able to build up a strong connection to the company. If we still stay on the high level or on the meta level, when it comes to talking about leadership challenges, would you agree that we are lagging behind on the factory level within manufacturing companies when we compare that to business life? When I take a look into the business life, I see that for the last 10 years, there have been a lot of books about leadership style. There was Simon Sinek with starting with the why and a lot of TED talks about how the leadership style should change. But I didn't see that in a connection to how the leadership style should change, for example, for teams within a factory in a manufacturing company. Are we 10 years too late in manufacturing? I think we are a little bit too late. Yes, for sure. But in general, I think it depends It depends a little bit on the people which lead. So often you have also people which are a little bit more hierarchically. And today you need it a bit more cooperative. And I do not see this when I visit other productions or other factories. And also when I started in, in our factory, that the leaders on the shop floor living this example or living this leadership style and mainly in my point of view because they are not informed about all those topics so is it a coaching topic do we have to start by leading by role models so we actually need to train or coach the current leaders better yeah in my point of view we should do that so we started a few months ago we took all our leaders in production and also for the teams in the white color area and brought them together with a trainer with a coach and yeah we discussed about the fundamental principles which in leadership which people want to or need to have today to bring the best 
yeah, output in the factory. And the funny thing about that was that there were some fundamental things which everybody of us in my generation is aware of, but our employees, our leaders were not aware of some topics where we say, okay, it's normal to lead like that. And this was really interesting to see. So in my point of view, yes, we need more coaching in this area. Before we dive deeper into how to coach the leaders and understanding better why we actually need to do that, so probably it's connected to the generation as well, I would like to understand better what is missing currently. So if you take a look into a factory and you talk about leadership and you talk about the teams that are being led by that leadership, what is missing from your perspective? I can only answer this question in my point of view at the factory at the moment. And what I see is that we are a really traditional company, a really a company where the people nearly work 40 years, 45 years. I have a lot of people in the last year which go went to retirement and they worked the whole life in one company. And I think a lot of those people leading normally small teams in the shop floor because they are long there. They're, they have a long time with the company. So I think it should be understood that the people today do not work their whole life in one company. They do not have a problem with changing or with moving to another company, which is in the neighborhood or something like that. They also travel uh, more kilometers because the distances are not an issue when the work is makes sense for them or is good for them. And in my point of view, this is the main point which should be understood by managers in production. So you argue that it would be some kind of clash of generations, that we have some kind of old leadership style, which probably worked the last decades. But now we have a new generation coming into the factory and they expect different kind of leadership. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And as you mentioned, in my point of view also, the old leadership style worked. It's okay to also have a part of this old leadership style sometimes. And I think you have to take a look at your employee and take a look at the employee's needs because you also have some people which want to be led by this, I would say, former leadership style, not old, because some people today also want to have this leadership style. And you have to take care which generation sits in front of me and how should I lead this generation in the specific case. And uh, yeah, that's a big challenge for every manager at the moment, I think, because it's totally different. In our preparation call, you mentioned some symptoms of probably bad leadership or something which is not working as expected. And you talked about the level of sickness within a factory. So could you elaborate here a little bit more of why was it important for you to monitor that level of sickness? And do you foresee other symptoms of bad leadership? Yeah. So the sickness rate itself, in my point of view, is not only because of Bad leadership, in my point of view, we have a bunch of topics which lead to higher sickness rates in industry in general. Everybody who I talk with is telling me that the sickness rates are increased, for example, since mm -hmm. Corona. And there are a lot of topics in my point of view. But I think one aspect is that the strong connection I mentioned before, which the people need to have to their company. And the more people you get from the new generation, from the generation Z and Y into your plant, and the less people you have, for example, from the baby boomer generation, the more it is important to have this strong bonding. And if you do not have it, in my point of view, it's totally clear that sickness rates will increase. Yeah. Okay. So let's assume we have more and more generation Z or generation Y within a factory. And you talk about 
bonding them to the company. Which kind of strategies or measures do you foresee that could solve their challenges, which we discussed in the past yeah. minutes? So in my point of view, a really important thing is that the people searching for sense in their work and they searching for kind of, I don't know, I don't want to use the word family, but uh, sometimes you use it in this case. <laughs> so the main point is that they want to discuss about topics and not be the one who gets an order and fulfill the order and then without thinking about why I should do that. So yeah, for me, it's all about bringing people together to discuss about the topics in a working manner. For example, when you have workshops, we do a lot of Kaizen events at our shop floor. We have last year, we had 20, 20 Kaizen workshops together with our employees at the shop floor. And I also work in blue color in this moment. And I, when you go on the shop floor and you clean up the shop floor together, side by side, on your knees, then you have other discussions, you have a stronger bonding, the people recognize, okay, hey, he's the manager of the plant, but hey, he's cleaning up the shop floor together with me. So <laughs> I can discuss on another way with him. Maybe I can trust him a little bit more. This is yeah. the one side, the side of the working manner to have more interaction. We also do a lot of OKR workshops, workshops to discuss about plant structures and so on. And then we have, on the other hand, kind of an event calendar for our plant where we do a lot of employee events to build up this connection in between also the departments. So we offer motorcycle tours together in our plant. We offer running events. We offer cycling tours with three different types of cycles. We do a family party this year and all those things should help to build up a strong connection also in between the departments because in the past, the departments works not really together. Especially at the shop floor, the guy who's measuring the parts is going into the measuring department and the guy who's pressing the parts is going to the press and then they do their job the whole day and then they go home. And yeah, with our team events in the free time, we show them, hey, maybe you have some points which brings you together, common interests and things like that. And then they also discuss at, at work in a different way and they act more like a team than before. And this is one big point of our initiative, I would say. Is everybody at your company supporting that or do you see people who are blocking it? Because I could imagine there might be some people who say, hey, this isn't that fun stuff here and we are not here to make fun. You say you are doing bike tours and you are planting trees. Yeah, we plant two and a half thousand trees. Yeah. <laughs> You said that in our preparation call. And hey, why do you do that? Uh, please go to your factory and build products. So is everybody aligned? Yes. Today, yes. But at the start, not. So when you start with such activities, there are some people, for example, the motorcyclist CA, why are they bicycling or running? Why are do they, these crazy people, why do they do that? And then you offer a motorcycle tour. Then they say, hey, maybe it's cool. And then they recognize, okay, it's a cool event. And for us, a big success was to plant the trees because we are in a region in Germany called Harz. It's in Saxonia-Anhalt and we have a big problem with dying trees. So we mobilized the whole plant and we bought 5,000, but we managed only to plant two and a half thousand trees in one day together as a team. And everybody recognized, okay, The people around me are pretty cool. We have common interests and now we can move on. So at the moment, I do not see big voices against those events. There are some people sometimes, but in general not. Okay. How do you measure the impact of that initiatives in the end? I assume there should be some kind of return on invest for you and for the company. What is your success metric? 
Okay, in general, you, you cannot bring it into numbers directly. It's In my point of view, it's indirect effects. One point is that we increased partly the productivity, which we see, and we do not have additional measures besides those topics. We communicating our vision, our strategy, and also our core topics in the plant during that events. Because it, every time it comes to work, that's totally normal. Also, if you do a private event, you talk about work. So everybody knows for us, it is really important to increase safety. For us, it's really a big thing that we need to increase to improve our sickness rate and all those things. And what we see is that we have less accidents at work. And also our sickness rate is improving slowly, but it is improving. I think that's a topic you need really long for because yeah, it's not solved in, I don't know, two events and then you have the best sickness rate you ever had. So it's improving. It's a long-term process. And yeah, sometimes you have to be believe on those things. And I think that's the point. If you take a look into the experience you gained in the last years, you as a young plant manager, you conducted already some projects, you tried to change the leadership style, for example, within your plant. Would you have a very hands-on example where you say, okay, here I had that kind of project. I had a transformation that I was pushing and this is my lessons learned. Probably some positive things which you would recommend and some negative where you say, don't do that. I would not do that again. <laughs> Hard question. <laughs> of course. <laughs> to bring it to those initiatives in general, one important point for us is to connect the plants between Gießen and Thale, which are our two German plants for Sinter. Mm -hmm. And the main focus is here to increase the synergies in between those plants. And what was funny was that when we announced the first motorcycle tour, I got an email from colleagues from Gießen who asked me, hey, Philip, where can I uh, have a hotel in Thale? I want to join a motorcycle tour. I said, hey, you have to drive 300 kilometers to Thale. You uh, have to book a hotel. And uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then they joined the motorcycle tour. So mm -hmm. we drove around, had good discussions, a really cool day, and then we go to dinner and so on. So the colleagues from Thale asked me the next day, hey, uh, Philip, when do we do the motorcycle tour in Gießen? And I asked, we do not plan a motorcycle tour in Gießen. And so we have done this at the beginning on the month, uh, of the month. And then we drove together with five people from Thale to Gießen and also have done the same thing there. So what I learned is that You have to bring the people together outside of their normal work environment and then you will have mm -hmm. synergies out of those topics because we have also plant tours at those events for the Gießen colleagues and for the colleagues in Thale, they moved to the plant in Gießen and they never have been there before because it's factory workers. They never had the chance before to join the factory in Gießen. So this was the first time. And then we had also some ideas for our plant in Thale and for our plant in Gießen out of those visits. So mm -hmm. sometimes you recognize that you have ideas, synergies, positive effects when you do not expect it. Yeah, this is a great learning. Yeah. And you say you need to pull your team out of the box, take them out of their factory and really physically try them to connect them to some other teams, even if you have to go by car and not staying in the team's meeting. Yeah, also to empower them for that, because normally they are a bit shy at the moment, at the beginning. And when they recognize, okay, you want to do that and you want to have that, then they will do it. Yeah. Okay, got it. Philip, we are already coming to an end of this episode. And 
I get really inspired by you because you take your energy and you say, okay, I, I want to change something within my factory and I do not take everything for granted, which is already there, but I'm motivated to change things. And I assume we will continue to change things within your factory. If you take a look into the next 10 years and you take a look into your factory, you see your team and you will continue to empower it. Which kind of plans or which strategy will you go and how will your factory look like 10 years from now and how will your workers be empowered 10 years from now? Okay, the empowerment of the workers, I think, improved that a lot. And I hope that it's even more in 10 years. That's the main point for me. And in this case, all those events, which I mentioned before, are only a fundament for me to improve the work surroundings, to improve the factory itself. And yeah, the next step should be to improve the idea management, for example. Because when the people are empowered, when the people want to improve, when the people trust you, you will also have a good idea management. When no one trusts you and no one wants to bring the things forward and no one shares your vision or your strategy, then no one will give you ideas. So this is one of the next steps we will improve. And with this empowerment we are doing at the moment, we also empower people and identify future talents. I think is one really important point because you get in contact more and more with the people also in a private manner, but also in the workshops at um, the shop floor and you recognize the future talents a, a lot better in the normal work environment where you go around the factory, say hello and go back to your office or something like that. Isn't this the real mindset shift which we have to do on the factory level that we see the people there not as resources to produce something, but as real people and human beings that have their ideas, they want to be developed, they want to develop their ideas. Isn't that the real thing? I think so. That's a good conclusion for that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Philip, thanks a lot for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Benjamin. What a pleasure also for me. Thank you for listening and we hope you found this episode valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can find more information and resources at operationsone.com. This episode is brought to you by Operations One. Operations One is the leading platform to bring operations to a new level of excellence. By supporting frontline operations from planning to execution to analytics, companies benefit from an empowered workforce, increased operational excellence and future-proof operations. Visit operationsone.com for more information.